Emerging Case Law and Statutes, It Can Win and Lose Cases. In my podcast, I discuss new case law holdings and statutes as they apply to our California civil court systems. Hello, everyone. I am Eric Ganchi, a trial lawyer with our San Diego law firm, Casey Gary. I focus my practice serving persons who suffered traumatic brain injuries through the fault of other persons and corporations. Please enjoy the Ganchi Law Update, a Casey Gary podcast. Okay, so this is episode two of my podcast. This is the plan, is that I have a backlog of blogs that I've been, since I've been blogging for years on civil case law and civil case or civil statutes. So I'm going to start off with these first episodes with getting through some of the other decisions that I've talked about, blogged about over the last years. And then eventually the plan is that I will get myself updated so that I will be doing the podcast um, on a new case law that's coming out, emerging case law. Good stuff. So this first uh, episode is going to talk about a case that came out back from January 28th, 2021. Police shootings and the use of deadly force have been a very present and publicized event over the last years, and these actions can raise legal questions of whether police are protected by qualified immunity when there is a shooting, and stakes rise when the shooting leads to death. That brings us to this January 28th, 2021 federal decision, Villanueva versus California. The court steps through several legal issues, but I'm just going to focus on the main one here. Does qualified immunity protect these officers in a fatal shooting given these facts. That's the teaser. So let's understand what happened and what laws apply. So what happened here? I'll start by saying the facts are in dispute at parts. It starts with a high-speed chase between police and civilians, Villanueva and Orozco. Villanueva stopped his car and did a three-point turn. And then from here, the undisputed facts are, undisputed, quote, the officers immediately exited their vehicle and drew their firearms. Cleveland stood near the open driver's side door of the police car and Henderson stood near the open passenger's door. At the same time, Villanueva attempted to reverse out of MacArthur in a three-point turn that resulted in the rear of his vehicle pointing towards the Pritchard dead end and the front generally facing the officers, who were approximately 15 to 20 feet away. The officers then opened fire on the vehicle and shouted a warning of some kind at the same time or within a second of firing. The shots killed Villanueva and injured Orozco, end quote. Where were the discrepancies in the facts here? The police testified Villanueva was driving recklessly during the three-point turn to the point that he hit a car behind him and that he faced their direction, the police's direction, and hit the gas before shots were fired. That may sound aggressive, and it also sounds drastically different to what other witnesses testified to. From Orozco, he testified Villanueva was driving below the speed limit while making the turn, and that Orozco did not feel the Silverado collide with another vehicle behind it. He also testified that the Silverado was not moving directly toward the police vehicle at the time of the shooting and that he did not see either officer in the path of the truck at any point before or during the shooting. 
And then we turn to witnesses from witness Lino Mendez. That witness says he did not hear the Silverado collide with another vehicle, the engine rev or the tire screech, and that he was very confident that the Silverado did not accelerate towards the police vehicle. And from witnesses or witness Abel Orozco, no relation to Villanueva or the other Orozco um, witness, um, Abel testified the turn wasn't fast and that he didn't hear no revving or no burning tires or anything like that. That's a quote. From witness Thomas Hinkle Jr., Villanueva's Silverado tried to make a U-turn at a very slow speed and was not rushing. He never heard the engine rev and did not see the Silverado accelerate forward towards the police sedan. So, procedurally, here, the police moved for summary judgment against plaintiffs. Basically, this means police argued there was, or there was, is, there was no genuine dispute as to any material fact, even if the facts are taken most in light of the plaintiff. If defendant wins this motion, the case gets dismissed against the plaintiff. So the police tried for this motion for summary judgment, claiming they are protected by qualified immunity. With the disputed facts above, the court used the facts most in light of, or most in favor of plaintiff and held in favor of plaintiff, denying the police's motion. The police appealed that decision, so that brings us to where we are now um, with this case decision, and the court used these as the facts. Quote, after Villanueva stopped his truck following a vehicular pursuit, he cautiously performed a three-point turn. His truck, which was 15 to 20 feet away from the officers, was not aimed directly at, at Sergeant Cleveland and was moving very slowly and was not accelerating when the officers began shooting, end quote. So next we dive into the law here. I'll just quote the law straight from this case. Quote, allegations of excessive force during an investigatory stop or arrest of a free citizen are examined under the Fourth Amendment's prohibition against unreasonable seizures, end quote. Quote, determining whether a particular use of force was reasonable requires a careful balancing of the nature and quality of the intrusion of the individual's Fourth Amendment interests against the countervailing governmental, governmental interests at stake, end quote. To assess the government interest, we evaluate a range of factors that includes, one, the severity of the crime at issue, two, whether the suspect posed an immediate threat to the safety of the officers or, other, or, or others, three, whether he was actively resisting arrest or attempting to evade arrest by flight or other exigent circumstances that existed at the time of the arrest. With this law, the main thing to decide is based off this law. A suspect may pose a threat of serious physical harm if there is a probable cause to believe that he is committed, he has committed a crime involving the infliction or threatened infliction of serious physical harm, or if the suspect threatens the officer or others with a weapon capable of inflicting such harm. And that's where the court agrees with plaintiff here and disagrees with the police. The law is a moving vehicle. This is the law. A moving vehicle can, of course, pose a threat of serious physical harm, but only if someone is at risk of being struck by it. And the courts have consistently found use of deadly force to stop a slow-moving vehicle unreasonable when the officers could have easily stepped out of the vehicle's path to avoid danger. The ultimate holding, the ultimate decision here, the court holds for this case that 
a reasonable jury could conclude that the officers used excessive force <clears throat> and that were not and that the police were not protected by qualified immunity because they lacked an objectively reasonable basis for fear to fear for their own safety as they could have simply stepped back or to the side to avoid being injured so the case here continues through the court system and the court denied msj and that concludes this episode of the ganchi law update Thanks for listening, subscribing, and sharing. Please visit cglaw.com for further blogs, case updates, and news about our firm. That's CGLaw, as in CaseyGaryLaw.com. <laughs>